Welcome to the Doc G Show, a radio show cluster. Without further ado, critics have said he has the face for radio and a voice for silent films. Your host, Ben Doc G Gordon. And we are on the air. Welcome. To the Doc G Show, I'm your host, Doc G. With me, as always, the one, the only, the associate holding notorious Mikey Maximus the Furnicus, Charette. Say what? What is up, Dr. Gordon? You know, I missed associate in the arts there, Mike. I'm sorry. <laughs> I it's okay. I don't want people to think you have an associate's in science if you if you you are an artist. And yes, I don't want I'm an to, artist. I don't want I don't want people to forget that. So yeah, just just remember, listeners, associate in the arts, okay? associate in the arts. AA. It will soon be behind Mike for those My that see way. any videos of the show. It will be right behind him. Mike, yeah. give it to me straight. Play by play. Thanksgiving. What went down? Was it good? How'd it go? Hmm. Yeah, Thanksgiving, Doc G. So my dad flew in from Florida to Vegas. One day affair. Very rare for my dad to fly anywhere, period, first of all. So he flew to Vegas. So he, he flew have... in and out on Thanksgiving? Yeah, he flew, flew in Wednesday night, flew okay. out Friday morning. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, so while well, not a total one-day turnaround, but... He flew in. We went to uh, so the company that I work for. We went to their owners, uh, the owner's house. They always have a huge party, like thirty people, bunch of comedians. Mm -hmm. It's a party. So we went there. That's right. Yeah, it was great. And then uh, after that, I took my dad up to the Mount Charleston uh, local mountain in town, nine thousand, eight thousand and a half feet elevation. So my dad got to see snow for the first time since he was twelve. Then we went to the Stratosphere in Vegas, had a couple beers. And uh, and then we went and gambled uh, two dollars. <laughs> Woo! Gosh, two big ones. Gam- gambled two dollars. Yes, sir. Jeez. Did you lose the two dollars? I turned it into seven fifty, which I like. What is that, Doc G? Come on, quick math. Tripled, quadrupled. That's three hundred percent. Three hundred and fifty percent. You know, that's so, that's yeah. imp- that's impressive. And then you lost it. And then I lost it. Yeah, in the same uh, same fashion, slot machines. Well, you l- yeah. you left that part out. If you would have yeah. stopped at seven fifty, you really would have had an investment there. But you you yeah. didn't stop. You didn't stop where you're Wanted ahead. Keep partying, yeah. Which is what Vegas banks on, yeah, pretty exactly. much all the time. So true. And you know what? They've been doing a good job of it for the last sixty years. So, yeah, they, yeah. <laughs> um, Mike, that's that's fantastic. Glad your your dad's yeah. doing good. Yeah, he's doing great. What about you, Doc G? How was your uh, what was your play by play Thanksgiving day? You know, it was good. Yeah. We I, we didn't really do much. I actually didn't. Uh, I I traveled to see my family on Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. So South Carolina, yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, it was good. I got there. We hung out for a little bit. It's just it's just my parents, my brother, family was good. Uh, the food, eh. You know, yeah. Uh, obviously, the Doc G Show Thanksgiving special was tremendous. Yeah. Um, hard to follow. But you know, I was, I was think that's what I was thinking. I was like, uh, why am I not a Thanksgiving fanatic? You know, because mm-hmm. there's so many Thanksgiving fanatics out there. 
That's a fact. You know, when you bring up Thanksgiving, I've heard several people leading up to Thanksgiving say, oh, it's my favorite holiday. It's, it's And I'm like, really? Nope. Really? Nope. And, you know, and, and then anybody, you don't really hear a negative. Like, I'm pretty much the only negative Nancy that's like, yeah, it's all right. <laughs> you know, like, everybody else is like, yeah, it's amazing, you know? And yeah. I'm like, what the... So I was, gonna, I was I was ruminating over this as uh, I was coming back, um, trying to get to the bottom of it. And we've already established on the show, Mike, I'm not a fan of the food. Yeah. I mean, it's not bad, you know? I'm not yeah. saying it's horrible, but, like, I just don't get how people say it's their favorite food. You know, is it your favorite food? Like, Thanksgiving food, Mike? Um, I would say it's, I, I, I think I just like the feast. I like... I like the each individual idea dish. Of overdoing. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I like the idea of overeating without yes. any guilty. I, I don't. I don't yeah. mind that. I like that. But that's the thing is, then when I think like I'm gonna overdo it, I look at it. I'm just like, this stuff is bland. That's a fact. Why am I gonna overeat <laughs> yeah. this stuff? Why True. am I gonna overeat dry turkey and cranberry sauce? Like, eh, meh. Give me a lasagna, man. I'll overeat the. Sh you know? Yeah. But like, it, it's just, that. Yeah, but that's not it. I can get over the food, Mike. That's, I mean, I'm eh about that, but that's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. I thought about it and I realized what the problem with Thanksgiving is for me. And I'm going to, I'm going to get there, Mike. Word. <laughs> okay. I don't consider myself a contrarian, mm. you know? I don't think I'm that guy. I'm not that guy that automatically, as soon as they hear something that's popular, says, no, I'm not that dude, right? But I will say, whenever something is popular, I ask myself why, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, if, if something's super popular, I, I evaluate whether or not I concur with this popularity, you know? Yeah. I'll give you some examples. Blinding Lights, The weekend. Sweet. 3.3 billion streams on Spotify alone. The fastest to ever reach 3 billion. Boom. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, the second most streamed song of all time on Spotify. Do I understand why? Totally. Yes! Totally. True fact, Mike. Before we came on today, I listened to it. Really? I nearly danced myself into oblivion. I just heard it, and I was just like, oh, yes, yes, give it to me. You know, I just, just, it yeah. just it's, 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 it's moving. It's, good... it's exciting. Yeah. Nice. You know, so I understand why. Uh, I give you another example. During the pandemic, Last Dance, Michael Jordan documentary. Ah, was, was one, one of the most popular things on TV, right? That's a fact. Won a primetime Emmy. It had a 97% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. It was, e the true fact, Mike, ESPN's most watched documentary ever. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Didn't know that. Do I understand why? Yeah. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> it's Michael Jordan. I yeah. get it. I yeah, yeah. get it. We were waiting for a long time for that one, too. Yeah. Yeah, we were waiting. Thanksgiving? Everybody says, man, I love this holiday. Oh, it's amazing. I don't get it. Nope. I don't understand. I don't understand why. I've evaluated. Yeah. I don't understand why. So, why do I find myself not loving Thanksgiving? What is it 
that makes me say I don't like this popular thing. I don't like this thing that the overwhelming majority of Americans like. And again, probably I don't like is a strong word for Thanksgiving. And I thought long and hard about this, Mike. It was at least 30 seconds. And (laughs) I arrived at something else I am not a fan of. Weddings. Weddings. Yeah. I get that. We outlined it on this very show, Mike. Yeah. Several months ago. uh, And uh, other things, as we know. Anniversaries. uh, Extravagant birthdays. Mm -hmm. Why are we not fans of these things? Forced fun. Forced fun. Forced fun. A get-together where fun has been preordained by two people. Mm. This, of course, being in a wedding. Two people. Mind you, one of them you probably don't even like or even know. There's one person that you know, and they're going to say, hey, on uh, May 2nd, you're going to have some fun with us. And you're like, uh, no, I've got no fun scheduled for May 2nd with you. <laughs> so, you know, like, yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. <laughs> and I realize, Mike, it's the same thing with Thanksgiving. It's the same thing. Yeah. What's everybody's response of why they like Thanksgiving? The three F's, Mike. Food, friends, and family. Mm-hmm. You know? So true. Now, do I have a problem with the three F's? Definitely not. Nope. Definitely not. I I love food, friends, and family. It's it's, it's fantastic. Some of my best memories ever are having sharing a good meal with some food with some friends and family. My yeah. my favorite Thanksgiving memory was hanging out at Lulu's with friends and my brother. Family. Yeah. Paper towel flag. Yeah. Exactly, Mike. Exactly. So I don't have a problem with that. I have a problem with society dictating when and how I'm going to celebrate with my friends and family and food. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, that's very you know? profound. Yeah. Like, like just because, oh, I see. This is the fourth, of thir- fourth Thursday of November. That means we've got to eat turkey and I got to hang out with relatives. No. No, it does not. It does not mean that at all. You know what? Wrong is what I say. Mike, if I want (laughs) to hang out with my friends and family on June 14th and eat a turkey and give some mother effing thanks, is that wrong? No. I can do that. June 14th can be my Thanksgiving if I want it to be. And you know what? I might like June 14th Thanksgiving much better than uh, the traditional November Thanksgiving. You know? That's right. I can get and give thanks and eat a turkey any day of the effing year. (laughs) Very true, Doc G. I can give thanks and eat a lasagna any day of the effing year. And Mm. you know what? I'd be much more likely to give thanks after a lasagna instead of a dry ass. That is a fact. That's a fact. Yeah, definitely. Very more enthusiastic thanks. Uh, you would find more thanks to give. Yeah, probably. Exactly. Exactly. My mm-hmm. point is, Mike, I don't need society to dictate when I'm giving thanks and hanging with my crew, and neither do our listeners. That's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I like Mike, that. it's November 30th, and guess what I'm thankful for? This show. Yeah.
And you know what? I may go eat a turkey to celebrate it tonight. Tonight, <laughs> listeners. Tonight. November 30th. Tonight. Turkey's on sale. <laughs> yes. Mike, are you ready to fire up this show that is thankful 52 weeks of the year for its tremendous listeners? I am so thankful to be able to fire up this show, Doc G. Five. All three engines up and burning. Two, one, zero, and liftoff. Amen. 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 Mike, we have a fantastic show. Yes. We have an amazing group, the Palms is on the show. Benny and Johnny. What? Actually, I just called him Benny for no reason. I think Johnny. Yeah. Ben and Johnny coming on the show. <laughs> We're going to talk about them uh, starting out in the band Terraplane Sun, ultimately creating the palms. They've got, I meant to, I forgot. I meant to wear the shirt. I've got my shirt, their shirt, uh, that uh, makes me an executive producer of their album. I meant to wear it, and I forgot to wear it. I'm sorry. Next segment. Uh, <laughs> you, you know what? I'm coming back from the first break. I'm going to have the shirt on. I'm going to have the shirt on cool, after cool, cool. the break. There uh, but we're very excited to talk about them. Uh, new album's coming out soon. Can't wait. Uh, but first, Mike, we need to start where we start. Birthday suit. Happy birthday, Mr. President. I think you got this one. All Pretty right, sure we'll you see. got this one. Uh, born on November 30th, 1965 in New York City, his mother and father were comedians and actors. His mm. parent took him on the his parents took him on the sets of movies and TV shows throughout his childhood. He made his debut uh, in acting when he was nine on the Kate McShane TV show. He continued acting through high school, but also played the drums in a post-punk band named Capital Punishment. Had no idea about that one. I'm interested hmm. in that one. He went to college at UCLA for uh, nine months before leaving and to uh, to continue acting full-time. Uh, for a short time in 1992, he had his own show on MTV titled with his name, with music videos and music video parodies. Uh, he got nationwide acclaim, however, when he broke out in the film Heavyweights. He then played in There's Something About Mary in 1998, then in uh, Meet the Parents in 2000, then in Zoolander in 2001, then in Dodgeball in 2004. He was in all the Madagascar films. He co-wrote and produced Tropic Thunder. In all, he's been in well over 60 movies. Name that birthday suit wearer. Benjamin Stiller. Benjamin Stiller is correct. Yes. Yes. Ben Stiller, man. Fantastic. Oh, that guy's a legend for sure. And his Love. dad. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We had his dad uh, as a birthday suit. Uh, what was that? We did. I, I don't I don't remember his birthday. Jerry Stiller. I remember he was on here. And I yeah. mean, two, two of my favorite sitcom characters of all time, you know, playing uh, Kevin James's dad and King of Queens and playing George's dad in uh in uh seinfeld yeah you killed it amazing you know yes, but ben absolutely. stiller i mean god another I level love, I, I love some of his movies man yeah. i mean meet the parents oh god it's so good yeah meet the is. parents is so good so many so t talk about so many like forced fun situations in that movie <laughs> yeah. of meeting your parents uh, your 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 loved one's parents oh god horrible Horrible. Yeah. 
right? And just so many <laughs> awkward situations that I love. Oh man. And then and then uh Tropic Thunder. Come on. Yeah. Come on. I love Tropic Thunder. I got to give that one a rewatch. Tropic Thunder. I think I oh. just yeah. Hilarious, man. Yeah. yeah. You got a hilarious. Oh, it is so good in so many ways. Yeah. So many ways. Uh, and then, and then I mean, uh, I didn't mention it, but Along Came Polly. Love Along Came Polly. Yeah. Hilarious movie there, too. Great movie with uh, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. I think we uh, mm -hmm. mentioned it when we were talking about Fimor, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman and Twister. Yeah. When you were yes. talking about it. Yeah. 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 Too. Uh, a side note, uh, Ben Stiller had uh, prostate cancer in 2014. Jeez. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. He had, he had prostate cancer in 2014. Just blew right through it. Just nah. got treatment for it. Just dominate it. Boom. There it is. Done. You know? Amazing. Uh, ben Stiller turning 57, Mike. 57. 57. Wow. I actually thought he was like a little bit older for some reason. You really? Oh. Yeah, I was thinking I it was a little bit. Fifty-eight. I was, I was thinking a little younger, just like okay. a little bit, but yeah. uh, you know, like like maybe like fifty-one. Okay. So not like 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 not like a ton, but hmm. uh, anyways, happy birthday to Ben Stiller. Yeah. Happy birthday. Yeah. Thank uh, and thank you for all everything that you've thank you. made. Of course, movies. Of course, you know, uh, uh, just you know, so, some of the greats, and then he, then he has just little you know. Little cameos in a lot of movies. Yeah, I think. Like, oh. Sorry to go back. I think Heavyweights was my first Ben Stiller. Uh, yeah, Honestly, the first, first the first time movie. I saw him, he, he wasn't credited in the film. Hmm. The first time I actually knew him was uh, was Happy uh, Gilmore, because he was the uh, the manager of the old folks' home that his grandma oh, had to yeah, go. Oh, yeah, yeah, and they made the quilts. What? I, uh, I can, they, yeah. I can trouble you for a warm glass of shut the <laughs> Now you can go to sleep or I will put you to sleep. Uh, yeah. He killed it in that role. Yeah, he definitely, yeah. that was a great one. Wasn't even credited for it. What? Yeah. He wasn't okay, even That might have been the first one, actually. That might have been my first Ben, ben Stiller role. Unknowingly, because yeah. I yeah, definitely watched wild. that before Heavyweights. I, I also saw him at uh, the uh, Grizzlies... Uh, New York Knicks game. Hmm. He was on the he was on the sidelines just the other night, and I know this because they had to show um, a Pete Davidson and Emily Ratajkowski, uh, who were on the on the sidelines being a sexy couple. Oh, and yeah. then right and then right beside them, Ben Stiller's just sitting there like, oh, I had to be beside these two goobers. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm just trying to watch basketball here. I don't want to be in these Pavarazzi shots. But there he is. And the thing <laughs> I love about it, I saw, you know, a whole bunch of, like, TMZ things, uh, of course, about Pete Davidson. Like, he's bouncing back. And you're like, yeah, who, who thought he wouldn't? Who thought he would have 50 amazing-looking girlfriends? And then after Kim Kardashian, he'd be like, oh, can't. Never again. Yeah. Never again. I can never find. Like, of course, he's gonna find another hot person. It's, yeah. That's a fact. It's just him. But like, I just love how they showed this picture. No mention of Ben Stiller in any of these uh, images. Girl, come no on. mention. They're just like, here's Pete Davidson and Emily, and you're like, hey, hey, what about the awesome dude beside him? I'm yeah. pretty excited that Ben Stiller is at this game. I want to mm -hmm. mention that. Anyways, happy birthday to Ben Stiller. Uh, Mike, are you ready to rip some uh, headlines? Let's rip some headlines. It's now time for Rip from the Headlines. 
first and rip from the headlines, Mike. Let's talk about some ripped kids. Let's oh. talk about that. Word. Uh, Mike, do you know uh, Jesse James Decker? No. Yeah. I, I don't really know her, honestly. I sort of do. She uh, she started making uh, tunes back in 2009. She's sort of one of those people she, like, bounces back and forth between, like, country and pop tunes. Um, yeah. You know, uh, the real reason she got super popular... Well, not super popular. She married Eric Decker, who's a football player, in 2013. They're sort of known as one of those, you know, like reality couples. They had an uh, they had a series, I think, on E, I think, uh, and she was on Dancing with the Stars this past or this hmm. year. Uh, she oh, came God. in 10th place, apparently. Anyways, she's got like four million <laughs> followers on uh, on Instagram, right? Nice. And she's got three kids with this uh, character, Eric. An eight-year-old, a seven-year-old, and a four-year-old. And uh, she lit the social media and news industry on fire this past week. That's right. With a post when she posted a picture of her kids on their Thanksgiving trip to Mexico. Now, before I talk about the picture, let me just say, there are over 8,000 comments on this Instagram post. Uh, TMZ wrote an article about it. People Magazine wrote an article about it. Fox News wrote an article about it. Yahoo wrote an article about it. Us Weekly wrote an article about it. Page Six wrote an article about it. NBC wrote an article about it. Entertainment Tonight wrote an article about it. The Today Show wrote an article about it. In Touch wrote an article about it. MSN all wrote news articles about it. And I could have gone on. I just stopped at those that wrote oh, an so article about this post. The original post, my, it's going to be a letdown, Mike, because it's nothing amazing. <laughs> the original post is a picture of her three children in bathing suits near the beach in, in Mexico hanging out. Why would she post something like that? That's yes. Yeah. How horrible. What a horrible parent. In bathing suits? In bathing suits. Now that's not the crazy <laughs> part. The thing that they're uh, they're they're amazed by and the comments that came in, Mike, is that the kids were ripped. Oh, they're jacked. They are fit, right? Oh. They, they've got little muscles. They got, uh, you know, they, 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 and, and I'm not going to say they're just like amazingly jacked. They look like little fit <laughs> kids, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and, and when I say that, Mike, are they more ripped than me? Yes. So true. But that's not a high hurdle to get over. Nope. That's not They have too no body surpri- fat percentage. <laughs> These kids have, yeah. That's, but I mean, but I'll say before I go on to the post, Mike, do they hold a candle to Mike Charette on a bachelorette no, party? Probably not. Definitely not. No. Definitely not. To quote Tropic Thunder's <laughs> fictional character, Sergeant Lincoln Osiris, come on, man. Dude, you more shredded than a julienne salad. Got any tips? Got any tips? <laughs> Mike, if you haven't seen that part, you got to go back and remember that. It's oh, one of my favorite things. Oh, man. Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Right? Come yeah. on, man. Uh. You more shredded than a Julianne Salad. One of the best parts of that movie. <laughs> Give me that map. Oh, love it. Love it. Anyways, Mike, it was wild. We had people claiming she had photoshopped her kids' bodies. 
You had people claiming that her and her husband were making them work out too much. You had other people <laughs> jumping in and saying that this is what kids should look like. Mm-hmm. And and everybody else needed to shut their face. Jeez. And I just got to say, Mike, I'm just amazed. Because either way, I didn't care. Like, yeah. you know? Like, who who looks at this picture of these kids who doesn't know, just like me, who doesn't know Jesse James... Or Eric Decker, and it's like, you know what? I gotta speak my mind about these kids. I gotta, <laughs> yeah. I gotta, I gotta say something about these kids. Like, I have as much opinion on these kids and their physiques as if you came up to me and you were like, "What's your opinion on the uh, literacy rate of Argentina?" Huh? <laughs> and is it bad? Is it is it good? I I don't know. Like what? <laughs> what? I I guess. Like that's my same opinion on these kids, yeah. Mike. Like who cares? Who I don't... just who who is that? Seven thousand nine hundred ninety-nine comments thinking. You know what? I need to add to this. I yeah. To well, yeah. I I can really I can really add something <laughs> significant here. Let me just let me put my two thought now. I've stopped the internet, everybody. Now everybody <laughs> knows. And everybody definitely did go through all 7,999 to get to mine and go, hmm. There it is. That's Jeff- a like. Jeffrey3469 knows what I'm... They have hit the mother load on this comment. Yes yep. and yes. Anyways, Mike, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Uh, I I just didn't get it. It's... Who cares? Um, yeah. That's why it's on the show. Mike, this is a super interesting one from this past week. Uh, you have, do you ever do cruises? No. Yeah. I don't like cruises. Not that, a fan. Amen, Mike. Amen. I am not interested Forced fun. in me. Not Get out of here. Force fun. They're, 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 <laughs> on a you're, boat. Yeah, you're stuck on the No, thank you. No, nah. thank you. That's seen Titanic. Yeah. I know. Um, I know how it goes. <laughs> so a Carnival cruise ship was going from New Orleans uh, uh, to Cozumel, uh, Mexico. Um, and a 28-year-old man who hasn't been identified. I wouldn't want to be identified in this story either. Uh, he was drinking with his sister at the shipboard bar right after they left uh, dock. Uh, and they were headed out to, to Mexico. Around 11 p.m., he told his sister, hey, I'm headed to the bathroom. And uh, that's where he just vanished. Hmm. And the news story puts it this way. (laughs) His sister... Oh, no, no, it's fine. You can laugh. Uh, (laughs) His sister says she reported him missing the next day. After they searched the ship, he was reported missing by the entire crew. The, the, the uh, ship reversed course, and they contacted the Coast Guard. At 8.30 p.m. the next day, a merchant ship spotted him in the water. He was immediately taken ashore and is now in the hospital in stable condition and should be fine. Oh, that, that's good. Yeah. They found him. Yeah. But many things about this story, Mike, that like when yeah. I saw it, I was just like, what? And what, the and the, what and what? Yeah. the first one, your brother says he's going to the bathroom. He never comes back, and it takes you like twelve hours before you're like, yeah, I guess I'll tell somebody. Mm-hmm. Like, 
How drunk were you that you were like, yeah, it should be fine. Girl, come on. Like, it's a ship. Like, what else could happen? Like, something obviously nefarious happened. He went to the bathroom and just vanished. That's no good. Nope. That's no good at all. And I'm sure he had a phone. Did you call him and he didn't answer? And you're like, well, that's probably not good. Like, it would have taken me like 30 minutes before I was like, okay, I got to tell somebody. This is bad. We got to find this dude. Like, second, how do you fall off a cruise ship? Hmm. Like, how does that happen? Reenacting Titanic? How? Probably. How Lots does of those. <laughs> well, I mean, the designers of cruise ships know they're going to be packed full of drunk people. Yeah. They make it very hard to fall in an ocean. Like, they make, you know, big banisters and mm-hmm. rails and all kinds of things. Did, like, somebody dare this dude that he wouldn't jump off the ship? And he's like, I'll show you. Here it comes. Like... Also, I don't care how drunk you are, Mike. As soon as he was in the air, he regretted that jump. Oh, for sure. 100%. Like, look at any cruise ship. Look at how far that is to the the water. That's yeah, like at like, least 100 feet. Yeah, it's definitely. No, I mean, I've never thank been on you. A cruise ship, but yeah, it looks. Oh, like yeah, you tall. you set at port and look at them, Mike, and know yeah. that it's over 100 feet. I've definitely done that. Yeah, they look pretty tall, you know? Like, it wouldn't be a. Lastly, this dude just floated for 21 hours in the Gulf of Mexico. Jeez. Like, he made some wrong turns before that, but you got to give him tenacity, man. Yeah. It would have taken me 30 minutes. I would have been up. I would have been like, oh, (laughs) oh, no, and just uh, done. Done. And this dude just floating out there like a champion. Just unbuckle your life belt. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you don't have one. This dude just jumped off. He didn't have one. Yeah. He didn't even have a life He's he's floating on his own. He's being amazing out there, you know? That's a fact. Like, are you kidding me? I would have given up so fast. So fast. Yeah, I wonder how he stayed above the water. Like, he, he didn't have to, like, tread water at any point. I mean, he used He he used his, he used his, his, his survival skills. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, Mike, one more story before we go to break. Uh, the, and there's one main reason I'm bringing it up, but several interesting side streets that could be explored. <laughs> so true. This past week on a flight from New York to Salt Lake City, a lady's sitting there. She's watching a movie when a dude next to her puts his hand over her screen and tells her to pause her movie. Hmm. She then realizes he's holding a razor blade just a couple inches away from her throat. Wait, what? Now, in the article, it says the woman's husband then went to the front of the plane to get assistance from the flight attendant. Uh, Then it says, crew members responded by working to de-escalate the situation, notified law enforcement who met the flight in Salt Lake City. The safety of our customers and crew members is JetBlue's first priority. We will support (laughs) law enforcement during their investigation. Now, Mike, I do find it uh, funny that you chuckled at JetBlue. Yeah, I thought it was going to be Spirit or Frontier. I was about to say. I thought. (laughs) JetBlue, slightly above Spirit. You could. Yeah. Slightly above there. But uh, the main reason I bring this story up, Mike, is because the man accused of this crime was named 
Meryl Daryl Fackrell. Ah. Wait, what? Horrible name. Meryl Daryl Fackrell. (laughs) Someone named their kid Meryl Daryl Fackrell. Someone named their kid Meryl Daryl Fackrell and didn't foresee this leading to a life of threatening folks with razor blades. Like, didn't see the dominoes a fallen towards that ending. Like, come on, man. Meryl Daryl Fackrell. If I were him, I would go by MDF. There is no way I'm going by Meryl Daryl Fackrell. I'm going by MDF or MF. I'm going by MF. Like, come on, man. I would have been the youngest person to change their name probably. Yeah, five years years old. old, You know what? I'm out. I'm out. Five years old. As soon as you realize what your name is, like that's around the time you start to realize your name. I'm going with Snuffleupagus. That is my name from now on. Uh, Mike, one of the side streets to explore on this story, her husband then went to the front of the plane to get assistance? Yeah. Hmm. Can I... I I can't wrap my head around that scenario, Mike. Like, I can't... I want the play-by-play of that scene. Like, oh my God, honey. He's got a razor blade pressed to my neck. Don't worry. I'm going to go check up front, see what they think about the situation. Just hang (laughs) out. If anything bad happens, just, you know, raise your hand, press the little button. I will be Mm -hmm. right back. Hang tight. Like, what? (laughs) What? (laughs) Who who is this husband? Because I sort of want to hang out with him a little bit. I just want to, ooh. Sounds like a pressing issue. You know what? There's a couple of uh, flight attendants up there. We're going to get their opinion on this. Get there, yeah. see what they can do. I also noticed that they have all Coke products, so I'm going to see if they have mm-hmm. Mr. Pib while we're up there. Do but, you guys want anything? Yeah. Uh, is that why you're holding the razor blade <laughs> to her neck? Because we can get you something for that. Uh, peanuts? Anyways, like is that guy. Anyways, Mike, we are gonna Dr. take a nope. sorry for for a quick second. I thought you were gonna the guy was gonna put his hand over the movie. I thought he was gonna say, I'm in this movie. <laughs> for just a split second there while you're telling the story. Wanted to I, share that. I played the janitor. <laughs> what? I yeah. Was in this movie. That's Turns right. Out, Ben Stiller was sitting next to this woman. <laughs> he very disgruntled, very upsetting about Ben Stiller. Uh, I was in this movie. I was not sorry, credited. <laughs> I was not credited. This happy Gilmore, I was there. That's me with a mustache. Anyways, Mike, we are going to take a break. We are going to be right back. We are going to hear from our guest, The Palms. This is their classic song, Push Off, right here on the Doc G Show. My world, my God, if I'm gonna make it Then it's time that I speak my mind I can't take that away Wait, so you gonna use me now? Well, you're Take this, take that, I can take it But I might just lose my mind On my shirt, anyway if it 
it all came crashing down Just know that it won't bring me down Well, put me on the front lines As you're sitting on the sidelines Don't think you can play with my mind Cause that's all mine While you slip inside Go on, push off Take this, make that If you wanna make it Now it's time that I speak my mind You can't take that away And if it all came crashing down Just know that it comes Doc G Show, Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLP 95.5 FM in Jacksonville, Florida. Mike, what do listeners need to do? Hmm. Subscribe to the show, Apple Podcast. Leave us a nice rating. Also follow the show on Instagram, SoundCloud. Mike, they need to leave us a comment. Leave us a comment. Of when their Thanksgiving is. What day of the year do you give thanks? Yeah. 
And it better not be Thanksgiving. So true. Yeah. It better not. It better be a random day, March <laughs> 14th. I've done yeah. 14 already. March 26th. And that better be it. Okay? No force fun. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Mike, very important for the listeners that can't see, that are listening to the podcast or the radio show, they need to know I have switched to the Palms T-shirt. Yes. I am an executive producer of their new album, and you know what? I'm mother effing excited about it. Woohoo! Yes! Can't wait to talk to them. It's going to be fantastic, Mike. It's a great interview. It's a great band. You don't even know. Nope. You don't even know. Nope. Uh, Mike, speaking of those folks that are listening to the podcast and to the radio show, we need to thank them. We do. We do. We need to thank them. Uh, Here's the regulars. But we're going to give a shout out. Here we go. Here we go. Jacksonville. Oh, I what? I just started with the name. <laughs> Wait, what? That is, that is just like a complete false start. I was I forgot to. It, anyways, yeah, here we go. Shout out. Shout out to Jacksonville, Florida, Columbia, South Carolina, Radford, Virginia, Gainesville, Florida, Frankfurt, Germany, Anoka, Minnesota, Ashburn, Virginia, Piracai, Brazil, San Diego, California, Dublin, Ireland, Boardman, Oregon, Genoa, Italy, Richardson, Texas, Barcelona, Spain, Winfield, West Virginia, Biloxi, Mississippi, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Peoria, Illinois, Katy, Texas, Toms River, New Jersey, Olive Branch, Mississippi, Asheville, North Carolina, Los Angeles, California. I was forcing it at the start of that one, Mike. I just, I was, I wasn't letting the flow come of the regulars. <laughs> you were excited. I was excited to, t- I was excited <laughs> to shout them out. I was excited to get there, and I just, I just worked it too hard, you know. Girl, come I on. Just, I'm sorry to the regulars. Next time, I will give you a much more even flow, a much more <laughs> Pearl Jam presentation, if you will. Okay. Uh, Mike. We need to give a shout-out to the semi-regulars as well. Semi-regulars. Shout-out to Columbus, Ohio, Spartansburg, South Carolina, Houston, Texas, Las Vegas, and Nevada. Mm. Uh, Whitesboro, New York, Orlando, Florida, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Fremont, California, Cleveland, Ohio, Seattle, Washington, Lake Zurich, Illinois, London, United Kingdom, Jordan, New York, Cambridge, Massachusetts, Phoenix, Arizona, and Saratoga Springs, New York. Shout there out. We go. Nice. There we go. Mike, uh, quick miscellaneous here. Quick miscellaneous. Hmm. Miscellaneous. Yeah, I was uh, I've been I've been taking some notes on different talk mm-hmm. shows and media outlets recently. And it's again, it's it's something. If you remember a while back, I mentioned how I found it weird that all of a sudden I heard that's a whole nother bucket of fish there or kettle of fish, mm-hmm. and I was just like, kettle of fish, what? Such a weird yeah. saying, right? Yeah. And so I noticed another weird saying that's been popping up, and I and this one's weird just because it's wrong, and I don't like it. Um, they'll be discussing a topic, and then somebody will say their opinion, right? They'll be talking about a topic, and then one of the uh, commenters will say their opinion. And somebody else will be like, well, that's his truth. He's speaking his truth. Word. Wrong, Mike. Yeah. Wrong. That is not a truth. That Mm -hmm. is not... They are speaking their opinion. Yes. 
I don't care if they live in their own reality and it seems real to them. <laughs> yeah. It's not a truth. It is an opinion. Mm -hmm. For something to be true, it has to be based in fact or reality. That's a fact. For instance, I can't say I'm awesome. That's my truth. Wrong. There are no facts yeah. to back this up. Nope. I have no facts to show that I'm awesome. Is it my opinion? Of course, it's everybody's opinion that they're awesome. Yeah. Like, but no, there is no... It, Thanksgiving is awesome. That's my truth. Wrong. You have no facts to back the statement up. Yeah. Right? I need to breathe oxygen to live. That's my truth. Correct. That That's is a true. true statement supported yeah. by facts and reality. Big difference yeah. between opinion and truth, Mike. Mm -hmm. Just thought I'd point that out. I don't like when they use that. Just yeah, they got to come up with something else. That yeah. is uh, speaking my truth. No, 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 yeah. no, 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 no. You're speaking your opinion. Is nobody's truth yeah. because That's a his. truth is a fact. Anyways, Mike, uh, I had one leftover story, and this this one gets me. It's it's an interesting thing. You know, there's a lot of anti-Semitism swirling around. Yeah, uh, what's and, going on with that? And this was a this was a this was sort of a story that has nothing to do with sort of anti-Semitism, but it doesn't it doesn't help with just the the main focus of the story. Right. Right. And so this sure. is a story I got out of uh, KTLA in Los Angeles, and the uh, the title of the story is Asian Face. Try to save swastika symbol corrupted by Hitler. Mm. Word. So, story starts talking about uh, Shital Dio, who is a uh, physician who lives in Queens and is Hindu. And uh, this year, while she was celebrating the Hindu Festival of Lights, she put up a decoration that said "Happy Diwali" and uh, and had a uh, swastika on it. Now, uh, Dio, uh, when she got a lot of um, uh, blowback from this uh, decoration, she was confused, right? She was like, what? Swastika means the mark of well-being in Hindu. And yeah. in Buddhism, it means uh, it's known as manji. It's used to mark mm -hmm. temples. Mm -hmm. In the Zoroastrian faith, it represents the four elements, so, you know, Dio was like, what? These are all good things. Dio said she believes she and her and people of other faiths should not have to sacrifice or apologize for a sacred symbol simply because it's often conflated with its tainted version. Yeah. Now, Mike, uh, this article goes, goes deep, goes ham for many, many paragraphs. Like, this thing goes on. Like, it, it, I, I went through the whole thing. It gives examples of a Japanese priest that had no idea of the negative meanings. There's towns and areas of America that have swastika in their name because they were named before World War II and it mm -hmm. had such a positive meaning before World War II and all sorts of things showing how swastikas were known for something different, something positive before World War II. Which is 100% true, Mike. 
Mm-hmm. I, I don't disagree with any of that. And we've talked about this on the show before, Mike. Do you remember? We had a camp. Hmm. We had a camp in California that had swastikas up on uh, some of its its buildings, and uh, people were not fans. And they were like, whoa, yeah. these just came from Asia, and it's from uh, Buddhist religion. But people weren't mm-hmm. fans. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, Mike, I can understand what all these folks want to do. I can understand that they're like, hey, this is our religion first. You know, yeah. I can understand that. And I can understand how they see the positive side of the emblem. Mm-hmm. But I'm here to tell them, doesn't matter. Nope. Yeah. Not going to help the reputation. No. Not in the slightness. And to help you understand this, for anybody that doesn't get this, I'm going to give you an analogy, Mike. You know I like to make analogies. Here's an analogy. Let's say you have a favorite bowl you use to eat cereal out of. Oh, yeah. Right? You got a bowl. Right. Everybody knows that's your favorite bowl. It's a great bowl. All your friends come over to your place and see the bowl and say, Ha ha! Mike's been eating cereal, man. (laughs) Oh, man. You know? Because they know that's your bowl. And you know that's your bowl. And every time you see that bowl, you're like, Cereal, I love it. Great bowl. Lucky Charms, Count Chocula, Cookie Crisp. It all goes down in that bowl. Yes! Right? Fond memories. You love that bowl. Now. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. Let's say one day you come home, and for some reason, without warning, your toilet is overflowing with water. Yeah. Just uncontrollably just coming out the foulest thing you have ever seen Uh, in your life yeah right ew and the only thing the only thing you have to get that water out of your bathroom is your cereal bowl that's Uh. the only thing you can pick up and throw that disgusting water out and you have to use your cereal bowl it's disgusting it is vile. You throw up 10 yeah. times trying to clean your bathroom with that cereal bowl. And your roommate, instead of helping you with the bathroom, they film the whole incident, and then they send it out to everyone you know. And they're like, here's Mike with mm-hmm. a cereal bowl throwing up while he tries to clean the bathroom. Look at how disgusting this is. This is horrible, right? Now, forever after that incident, are you going to be able to go back and use that cereal bowl? Yeah, it's, it's it lost its, uh, you know, it lost its something. It lost something, you yeah. know, with that experience, yeah. Are your friends going to come over and see that cereal bowl and think of great cereal times? Nope. Not no. likely, no. 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 You can no, clean it, Mike. Of- you can clean you can you can put oh, it through yeah. the dishwasher 50 times. You know it's physically clean, but the memory is full of sh- Yeah, it is now. Yeah, it's a bowl. The swastika is the cereal bowl. Yeah, interesting. Never and thought about it that way, Doc J. Yeah. It's associated with something about 10 million times worse than water. Yeah. Nobody is going to eat out of your cereal bowl. And it doesn't matter how many good memories became before that toilet incident. It doesn't matter how many bowls of Cinnamon Toast Crunch you had. Nobody wants it anymore. Get Mm -hmm. rid of it. Wow. Drop it. 
So anyways, that's Mike, great. that's my analogy. Ah, that's a great analogy, Doctor. Thank you so much. I've never, ever thought about it that way. Cool. Yeah. You know? I do yeah, what I can with analogies, one. Mike. I do I what like I can. That. Mike, I've got three quick hitters before we go to break. Um, Mike, are you familiar? Mike, uh, Mike, are you familiar with TMZ's uh, section they have called Good Genes or Good Doc? Hmm. Um, oh, yeah, I think I've seen a couple. Yeah, it's where they have someone, a, a celebrity of sorts, and they have a picture of them from like 25 years ago and a picture from now, and they say good genes or doc, insinuating, hmm. is this just a good physiology that this person has, or did they get some work done to make themselves look so good, right? Mm -hmm. And I bring this up because the last one I saw this week was Bill Nye the Science Guy. <laughs> huh? <laughs> and I was like, really? Yeah, I mean, regardless, first of all, I'm not too concerned if Bill Nye has plastic surgery or not, right? Nope. Second of all, I feel like we sort of need to take away his title if he is getting surgery. That's just sad. If yeah. Bill Nye is getting <laughs> surgery, like, come on, Bill. You're better than that, man. You're the science guy. Focus on that. Like... It was just weird. I was like, Bill Nye, you don't, who brought that up in your think tank meeting that was like, oh, you know, I got somebody for the uh, good genes, good doc. Bill Nye, the science guy, that guy's just looking too amazing for his age. What's going on there? Why is Bill <laughs> Nye just so sexy right now? So sexy. Anyways, he is sexy, Not jeans, Mike. doctor. You know he what? Got lipo. Regardless, Mike, <laughs> hats off to him, right? He's a sexy maniac. Yeah, he is. Uh, Mike, headline out of the UK, quote, model and actress Cara Delevingne has donated her orgasm to science. Hmm. Mike, I tried to How donate you... my orgasm to science, and science said, we'd rather you don't. <laughs> Pass. No, How thank do you, you donate the process? Is it? Uh, what, they're taking blood right before oh, okay. and right after was what uh, was actually happening there. Okay. They were, you know, and um, I got to say, it's a little weird. Yeah. A little weird. You know, I mean, I, I get what they're doing. They're trying to close the gender gap in this area of questions about the male and female orgasm. Weird. Uh, hmm. Anyways, Mike, headline from page six. Quote, Cher and her new boyfriend kiss like teenagers. That's hot. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, her boyfriend is 36 and Cher is 76. So I guess... I don't see anything wrong with that, Doc G. <laughs> I'm going to guess Cher kisses like six teenagers, give or take. That's going to be my my math calculations. Gross. Uh, <laughs> woo! Woo! Mike, we're going to take a break. We are going to be right back with none other than the Palms right here on the Doc G Show.
Reality obsession is depressing me Sometimes I feel like they're just testing me When all I want is something real Question everything that we've been told Start returning everything that we've been sold No label got my logo on Cause I'm in this with or without you the show everybody today we are super excited to have johnny and ben better known as the palms fellas how's it going going good can't complain yeah thank you for having us of course of course so you guys are young vets i would say in the music game you have been playing together 13 years you guys met uh at an all-state commercial uh at the forum in la as background extras and I heard while you guys were sort of hanging out, you started talking music on the set. I'm going to guess you guys agreed on most music things you talked about at that first meeting. It was interesting. So well done on your research, A. That, that, that was, yeah, you dug that up. 13 is a scary number. I'm really hoping you're wrong on that one. But uh, everything else from that story is spot on. So I'm, I'm getting more and more uh, convinced that you, that number's right. Um, but yeah, so it was, it was, it, it, it's like a hilarious job in LA just to like, you have a lot of freedom to do it and plus you make good money and it was just kind of a way for us to kind of make sure we could pursue our actual passion and hot, you know, which was music. So, but it was my first job. So, and Ben had done a couple before that at that point. So and we didn't know each other. So I, I just pulled up a chair and sat down. There's a lot of like downtime 
So I overheard him talking to someone else about music. So then I just pulled up. I was like, all right, let's like let the day go by easy. Like let's let's have a conversation. Let's talk shop. So yeah, it was we were talking about. I think you're talking about like the White Stripes album and the Strokes or something like that. So that kind of that'll date us right there too. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, so I think they agreed on most things. But but it wasn't even about that. It was more just. Uh, it was uh, finding someone, you like, know, like my on the set. Yeah, just to like let the help the day pass by. But he gave me an album that he already made. Mm -hmm. That was the big like. That was the the connective tissue of the whole thing. So I left with something, and then got to then live with that or something. Um, and then that kind of that's where it really sparked. Nice, nice. Well, yeah. now since you guys are are far removed from the all state commercial game. I, th I, I think we can now talk and, and agree that Progressive Insurance has far better commercials now. Am I right? I mean, just... I mean, what well, I think that I'm commercially even is it they did. That's the... Um, yeah, that's the Jake. Dude. Jake. Jake yeah. from all... Oh, no, that's State Farm. That's State Farm. That's, that's right. The cat. Now I don't yeah. even know... I don't even know an all-state... Oh, it's the do the deep voice guy. That's right. I'm a huge fan of the the Dr. Rick commercials, the progressives. Those are my favorite. Turning into your parents. You got got to start at the start, you know. I mean, speak well before you guys met. I mean, both of you were really involved in music, Johnny. Your dad was a guitarist. Uh, your mom, classically trained pianist. Your uncle played with Jackson Brown. You picked up the guitar, I heard, at six. And I'm guessing by the way that your family was so musical, I'm guessing it was one of those things where you just picked up and started playing, like, Eruption at six, and we're like, oh, wow, I'm pretty good at this thing. Was that, did, did it come really natural when you first started playing? That's so funny. Yeah, like, I said, it's like coming out of the womb with a cigarette playing eruption and being like, well, "Whenever are you ready?" I'm nice, like, nice. You know, it's funny because when your when your family's into music, you, you kind of shun it at the beginning too because you want to have your own identity. But it, it didn't take long. Um, but I didn't want to immediately play guitar or piano first. So I, I played saxophone and I was doing everything else to not play what they were playing. Um, yeah, Chris Barone was my first saxophone teacher. Um, and yeah. But then it found me, and I found it on my own terms. You know, they they just kept leaving it strategically out. You know, and then I was sniffing around, and what is this? Okay, let's give it a shot. So yeah, I started super young. I, was, I grew up playing in church, um, as a lot of people do, and in the that's kind of where I've learned how to play in an ensemble, and um, obviously learned songs. I mean, there's songs and in church too, you know, really well structured and interesting turnarounds and there's some crazy stuff. So mm -hmm. yeah, um, we weren't like full partridge family vibes, but we definitely would jam and, um, but yeah, yeah, I was tuned to that as well too, to, to music always in the house, people playing, my dad writing and showing me songs. Um, so yeah, been, I sort of like sitting with him driving and teaching me about harmony listening to springsteen being like you hear like the other parts you know so like my ear was always kind of uh, that was a, a, a serious advantage I, I think in terms of when it came to writing music later well i was gonna ask as far as like you uh with your 
with your parents as far as, you know, them being involved in music, especially your uncle, like how long did it take before you realized like, oh, he played with Jackson Brown. That's effing awesome. Yeah. I, I, the, it was a short span with Jackson, but he, he definitely was in the scene. You know, he played with with, with Lil George and Little Feet too. Like he was just kind of a hustler and he was, he was out there, you know, doing his thing. Those were cool moments. Um, there were other interesting things too. It was like, there were always people kind of coming through and, and crashing at the house and um, uh, musicians constantly. Like it, my, my dad's writing partner had a, some, a couple big songs in the, in the late seventies, early eighties and his producer and, you know, and the people that are on the album was, it was Lindsay and, and, and Stevie Nicks mm-hmm. and so like I was, there were always stories and people and, and, you know, I got to meet Ken Calais and I got to meet like a lot of gnarly, like engineers and producers, like all the guys who did rumors. And but my dad like was really good at maintaining relationships too. So we were always coming through the house. So I was always kind of aware of some of these, folks and I was always going to see live shows and my yeah my dad was really good at, at, at making friends with those kinds of people maintaining that and not, not being in a not weird like fan stuff like he yeah. offered cool like reciprocal relationship so nice. all that was yeah it was all super interesting nice well it's like it just it comes with the territory a bit it, I mean you know we have friends also parents are interesting musicians it, like, it just keeps going we're in the mecca of it so it's mm-hmm. not you know so it's a different perspective on on that part of the business too. For sure, for sure. Well, yep. now Ben, you were sort of the same way as far as for, as far as music wise. I mean, not with with the family connections, but I heard you got into music and you were interested in the same way. I heard uh, I heard you talking about how you used to uh, make Motown mixtapes for New Year's Eve parties. And uh, I know this is going to be a hard question, but if I ask you what your favorite, like, 60s R&B artist, thinking Motown stacks, who would you say? Favorite 60s? Uh, Motown. Motown. I, you know what, I mean? I'd probably have to go with the Supremes. Mm-hmm. Just uh, as far as, they just got hit after hit that I vibe with. I mean, Marvin Gaye, Four Tops. Yeah, it, it all it all hit me hard at a young age. And that was your that was your mom's go to. My mom's go to. Love From it. Day one, never really like stopped listening to it. She always it was like mostly R and B and uh, a lot of blues with her. Yeah. Well, I, I definitely say current wise, if she if if you're looking for that sound, I don't know if you guys have ever listened to the Teskey Brothers. But those guys have that Motown sound, like exactly. They're from Australia. They do all like analog recording. It's insane. I've been saying for years that if a band came out and did that, like it really tried to tap into it with like the analog thing, that it'd be cool as I'll check it out for sure. They're pretty. They're pretty huge in Australia. I mean, they've done. They've done a pretty good crossover in America, but they, uh, yeah, they, and they, they sound like you hear their lead singer's voice and you're just like, I mean, it's, it's Otis Redding. It's, it's, you know, Ray Charles. It's all of these people just into one. It's impressive. Um, when, when did you start writing music, Ben? In high school, 14 ish, 15, um, nothing. Like I remember I remember like one of the first songs I tried to write was like trying to emulate Stairway to Heaven. Um, if I could find those lyrics, it 
probably blown up like <laughs> here's like lord of the ring uh just sci-fi weird yes yeah <laughs> it took me a long a long time dude before i started writing anything that you know i was like all right maybe this could happen you know yeah well now i mean along with those obviously starting places and inspirations i heard both of you talk about your love of of west coast hip-hop um and uh even though i didn't grow up in la that's what me and my brother loved growing up that was that's what got me into music um i wanted to ask you guys sort of a couple versus albums so give you two albums and you choose what your favorite is of west coast hip-hop so if you're ready here we go the first two nwa straight out of compton snoop's doggy style which one would you go with maybe go doggy style to be honest man like i would honestly do a good doggy style too yeah nwa is, is rad. it's just before our time so I, i'd be lying if i was like claiming nwa i get it and i respect it but to me it's still it's like the bridge between that original hip-hop and then what became the more melodic dre stuff so yeah for me it's, it's doggy style it's just it's more advanced I was about to say it's still not NWA. Still isn't really that G funk West Coast. You don't you don't no. feel it. Uh, not yet. Easy E, Easy Does It, or Ice Cube the Predator. Yeah, I mean, go ahead. Yeah, I gotta go Ice Cube. I mean, I was, how Easy Does It. Good, good, good days on, good days on Predator, right? Yeah, it was a good day. Yeah. 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 Easy Does It. Easy Does It. So like. Even these these albums are, are you know they, they they found us obviously posthumously you know like this was the way out you know but Easy's voice the takeaway from NWA obviously then goes into the character aspects of like what was later to come especially with like West Coast hip hop mm -hmm. too I think it that that set like a tone of like we can be characters as well as having to take it super seriously I I think uh, yeah overall I think that was Easy's forte was his personality you know i mean obviously his rapping was atrocious as you yeah rarely on he's another bump and track and it's that well i i remember i mean ice cube talking about it when they first convinced him to do uh boys in the hood and they had to stop the track like 18 times during it to <laughs> like because he couldn't keep the beat and they're just like uh, but this is this is pre Pro Tools too. Like it must have been a nightmare, man. A hundred percent. They got it. Okay, uh, we're gonna newer one. Kendrick Lamar, damn Nipsey Hussle, Victory Lap. Damn for me, yeah, Kendrick. Yeah, for sure. I'm. I, I feel like. I feel like Nipsey's more west West Coast. Honestly, like I feel like he. Still got to do that. He he just oh, I love Nipsey Hustle Victory Lap. That is like for me, it's it's the best album or like hip hop album of that decade. Like all through the two the two thousand tens, like just so good. Last one, big one, Doctor Dre the Chronic or Doctor Dre the Chronic two thousand and one. Two thousand and one for me. What do you say, Ben? That's a tough one, man. Can can I say draw? <laughs> <laughs> probably 2001 like over the years i've listened to 2001 the most i mean it came out 
uh, you know, at a time in my life, I don't know. Yeah, now, because now we're now we have actual associations with this beyond the fact yeah. of like just discovering the music, seeing its sort of roots in yeah. West Coast mu- music, and what we're all kind of like pulling from. Then you have like place and time of two thousand one in our lives specifically. And it's like, those are, that's impossible to recreate with any other album. So like that gives it a, a different, it's puts in a different echelon. It's like, that's another. But I was able to appreciate it. When that album came out, it was just, it t- took over. Like it was everywhere. That was everywhere. Yeah. And then, the event was talking about, then Kanye comes after that. And that's not West Coast, but that was like, in terms of like the hip hop sort of like evolution too. It's like piggybacking 2001 and then coming into college graduation. Or college dropout um, in like 05, mm-hmm. 04, 04. 04. Like now we're really like, in, we're talking about like, we're, we're starting to really write music now too. And like, it's, this is becoming highly sort of ingrained in our like process. Mm. I, I, I love, I love both of them, but, uh, Chronic was the first, the first, it literally it was the first album that I, I memorized that thing all the way through. So like I just uh, the chronic was it. I mean, let me ride. Nothing but a G thing. Dre day. Like just rat a tat tat. But go with either one. But it, it's funny. It, it it is funny. It only takes a couple of years of separation of age for somebody to have that connection with two thousand and one more so than the chronic. And I I have friends that are like thirty one that are in love with two thousand one. And then I have friends that are like 36 that are in love with the regular chronic. They like, and they they don't get the other one either. They're like, nah, it's. I mean, it's good, but it's not anywhere close to the other. Kids music. It's it's so it's so crazy. But I mean, you know, Dre to make both of them just insane, insane. Now that I derailed off of hip hop there for a good while, uh, let, let's get back to the commercial and meeting each other there. Like you said, you 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 already had a demo, and uh, it was Terraplane Sun. How long did it take? Was it almost immediate? Like like you said, you showed the music to each other. Ben, you had that demo. Was it was it almost like the next day that you guys started writing and playing together? Pretty close, man. I don't know how many days went in between, but I was over at his house very soon afterwards and we wrote a song the first day that we hung out that ended up going on the first terraplane sun uh album which is which was crazy yeah i don't know i don't think either of us had ever like really vibed with someone else musically like that it just um it just worked it was kind of seamless and then it's just like what i didn't have he had what he didn't have you know it just it, it worked out you know for sure. Well, now y- you guys wrote "Get Me Golden." That was around 2012, and that just became a massive sinking tune. Like, I yeah. mean, commercials and commercials, TV shows, movies after movies. <sighs> and I mean, it's even in a movie just like a year ago. Uh, I'm always curious when you when a person writes a song like that. Did you know, like when you wrote that song, did you guys look at each other and go, oh, this one, people are going to really just sort of gravitate towards this? Or was it like every other song that you wrote and just, yeah, this is a great one. We love this one right now. 
No, I think he knew. No, we knew. Yeah. It, it, he, I remember he sent me a, de- uh, no, a I, voice I, I hit you, demo. Or no, I hit you up. I like started working on it yeah. that morning, and I like I think I got something, and then you were, you came over like and then we did it that day, and then just banged it out. The interesting thing about that song too, though, is that the actual the actual lyrics talk about what's it's for fully <laughs> foreshadowing what's to come yeah. from that actual song, and we we kind of did that on purpose. So the the, the song is it's about really it's about like. We need to get paid. Like, we need to get paid. We're, we're tired of being broke. We're playing all over town. And like, we have this great band and like, we have songs of depth and like there's a catalog. It's obviously I mean, a bias, but whatever. You know, and so we're like, you know what? It's time for us to like get ours. Like we're, we're overdue. And like, we've both been playing and writing for 15 years up to this point or whatever, you know? So the song is get me golden. It's pay me. Like it's, I'm up. It's my turn kind of thing you know and and we were just did it as a cocky kind of thing. This, the original title was called gotcha that's right because yeah. we were like gotcha <laughs> like we wrote a song and you it's, you're the sucker like and you're gonna pay us for it you know yeah and then it took get me golden later but um that and then it's what happened and then the song kind of became like a glorified like jingle so yeah it's a, like i said it's a blessing and a curse because it also didn't necessarily represent who we were as a band and the depth yeah. Of our band. So once you have a song that gets out there like that and then eventually sign a bad record deal and went to radio and then that's what you're known as. Um, and it also sounded like other things that were currently charting at the time. Mm-hmm. So you really then it's like an uphill battle where you're like, they made people basically have to come see you live to be like, oh, wow, like these guys are a whole other thing. So we learned a lot from that experience about kind of what not to do. Although the money was nice, man. I mean, we were both like those were good years financially, but that's not a career. Yeah. Well, and and so I mean, it was. I hear that a lot. It was easy to write too when you wrote "Get Me Golden." Yeah, it came fast. Yeah. It, that was like a that was one of those lightning speed ones that just fell out of the sky. Yeah. Nice, nice. Well, now you you mentioned it to to a degree there, uh, sort of classic music industry story. You guys get a label deal, A and R guy leaves. You get no support from the label. But the next part I've never really heard with another band. You're out on the road touring with Imagine Dragons, and the label just stops your touring funds, like. Correct. So you literally have to take out a loan to get back home and just leave tour. Like, I, I got to imagine the way you felt when you left for tour versus when you got back from tour was a 180 degree difference. I think we finished the tour, actually. We did. Yeah. We took out a loan. Yeah. But I think it was going sideways when we left. Mm. But... We were going to, you know, fill our obligations. People wanted to come, you know, it was for the fans for us to go out there and do it. So that wasn't going to not happen if we were going to fulfill that. But to think, you're right. To think about a band that's opening for the, what's going to become the biggest band in the world at that point, arguably. Mm-hmm. And the middle band, by the way, direct support was The Neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So it was an Dragon, The Neighborhood, and Us. We, we have a song on the radio and a song in movies and in TV and in commercials. And the label still doesn't, didn't get it. Uh, and the last show that one of the last shows we ever played. Uh, so there's a radio station in Albany 
that had been playing Kenny Golden uh, and went to number one there. And then they played a follow-up single, uh, You Never Know, which also went to number one. So we were asked to come headline their festival, and we're thinking it's Albany. Like, we'll just go in there. It's going to be some small little thing, and then we'll get out of there. And we go there, and it's like 10,000 people. Like, one of the biggest crowds we ever played for. We're the headliner. There's, I remember bands playing before us that blew up, like, within years to come. People singing every single word to these songs. It was like one of the craziest moments. This video is online. Yeah. And then boom, like that is gone. And we were like, we knew this was probably one of our last shows because we, at this point, everything had completely fallen apart. So we were just like, let's just, this is one of the last things on the calendar. Let's just get it over with. But it was like, this is what could happen if you have the right people, you know, behind you. I mean, we're obviously going to get to the Palms here in just a little bit, but like, have you guys gone back to Albany as the Palms and been like, hey, remember us, guys? So our buddy Jeff Morad at WEQX, like, who has been our brother and, like, has fought the good fight with us, like, yeah, we come back and give that guy a lot of love still, and he's still there and he's the man. But it was crazy because... It's just really interesting. I mean, keep in mind, at this point, we had also had already gotten sued by a disgruntled manager, too. So we were in the depths of a loss. We're taking the stage in San Diego. We got served papers walking on stage in San Diego. Um, That's going to ruin the mood for a jam. I don't know how to ruin for a jam. That's correct. So it's like we had the lawsuit pending. We had the deal falling apart. And our guy was MIA. I was on a bender and just disappeared. Um, and the label head just didn't catch the band and everyone's trying to, you know, get the funds allocated up for us to their projects, you know, that's kind of how this worked. But it's just like, we, we were still doing like everything better than any other band on their label too, but they just didn't get it. It's, it's just very cliche band stuff, but it's just funny, like, oh, there's so much, so much of it's luck and timing. Yeah. And, like, yeah. I, did 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 the other you know did the neighborhood and and Imagine Dragons have any idea that was going on? Because I feel like you know, we did reform a relationship with um, Dan Reynolds' brothers, who are still to this day like kind of mentors to us. So something good did come out of that those days. But no, I think those guys were both so busy. Like yeah. They didn't worry about the opener who's like oh, falling apart in real time. Yeah. I mean, so that's obviously one of the main reasons the Palms came to be was leaving that label and not being able to record under your old name. Um, and yeah. Yeah. Tr- tr- tried to record under your, your old name. There was a period of time, I can't remember how long it was. It felt like it was forever. Like, I remember I, I had a lot of sleepless nights. Just like, because you put everything into this, and I'm like, that band should still, you know, at this point, playing like Sunset Slots at Coachella. Like, it was on that path. It was such a good live band. So then to have it stripped away. So we tried to salvage it. We brought in other management to see if they another label could get us out of the deal. But it just was too complicated and messy. Um, So, yeah, I mean, we couldn't record under that. But, yeah, I I think the one thing, finally, after exhausted all that, I think I was just like, dude, we don't have to be this thing anymore. That was the toughest part, is being like, okay, we let go of this and, you know, start something new. Yeah. Just like a massive relief, but it took a while to get to that point. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, putting so much into it is hard to say, okay, 
we're going to go do something else now. Uh, which, I mean, sort of makes me think, like, I, I know it would, how, how much does it off every time you hear Get Me Golden synced on something and know that that label has the masters that are, are they're getting paid for something they had nothing to do with. So, I mean, as far as the actual creation process, because I always think about that as a band. I'm just like, I, I get it. The, the label's there for support and everything, but when they don't do any support, like in your case, it's just like, what, what the are they getting paid for? What the are they get money for for that? Like, no, yeah. I, totally. It, 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 and not only was it, it was, it was like a horrible parting, too. It wasn't like, like, oh, it didn't work out. Like, thanks. Good shot. Good try. Yeah. You know, it was like, we hate you. You hate us. And we have well, to the guy, pay yeah. you. We weren't his band. We weren't his band. We the never guy, were. In yeah. their defense, the guy <laughs> who did sign us, he was all in and he spent a ton of money on us. We just didn't realize that people had a vendetta out on this dude. Like, mm. he had so many relationships in the industry that people were not like radio stations weren't playing our music just like in spite because of you know? them yeah yeah mm. the things that we found out later well i i mean along those lines obviously all of those scars from that label like when you guys create the palms was it like okay we're going independent. We're not going to worry about that. Was it like agreed upon from the beginning? Like, we don't want any leeches on us. We're just going to go by ourselves. I was like, oh, for me, yeah. Nice. nice. I mean, and, and up to this point, would you say it's, I mean, it's felt a lot better in most ways? Well, I mean, look, we, we built now the palm. So we had from scratch and no one came with us from the other band. I mean, it was a totally different sound. We also went, that was on purpose though too. Yeah. Yeah. But still, it, was, it was, wasn't like we, Not, we brought, we had a baseline yeah. and like could bring it with us. Like it was completely from scratch. Mm -hmm. So, um, to then be able to build it back up to a level now, or we're, you know, we're probably as big as Terraplane Sun was at the height at that point, you know? So, and we did all on our own with no label, no management. We're bigger, we're bigger yeah. probably. Yeah. But all things considered, like name recognition, whatever, like yeah, different ways to size yeah. that. But still, we, we've done it now and done it completely by ourselves um, and own 100% of it. Yeah. So there's like obviously a redemption factor to that as well. It's not, yeah. It's not just redemption though. It is, it, it's a totally different uh musical world now than when we were in terraplane sound like spotify just started mm -hmm. around that time so the timing actually worked out for us in the sense that when we did start the palms spotify was coming into its own and the other like youtube the other streaming agencies as far as like actually paying people for their music i know a lot of people don't understand that and it gets a horrible rap um basically because if you're signed to a label you're not really seeing any of that money it's yeah. all going to label and that's why you get these artists, these artists, you know, going out there trying to blame Spotify and all that. I'm not saying Spotify play, pays us enough, don't, doesn't pay us enough. I don't know. Like, it feels like what we make, which is a, a living, I can't really see them paying us more for the numbers that we have. So it seems like a good system to me, but we do own 100% of our music. Would that um, we also got into, we got into time, too, where... 
we had a manager at the time that was able to send music to the editors and get it us get us up on a playlist. I think if you're trying to break into that world now as an artist, a new artist, I think it's really difficult. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, there's just so much out there to to break through into those those and be seen some way. It, right. it it's so it's so tough. Although it is it's crazy with with social media. It still blows me away like some like how songs will just get you mentioned Fleetwood Mac earlier and how it got, you know how it got recycled on TikTok just out of nowhere goes up to number 1 again and you're like really song from and i mean you know we have Ann Arbor on the show Ann Arbor their their song 18 they wrote in 2013 it sat there not really doing anything for like 7 years and then all of a sudden somebody decided to use it on TikTok and now it's over a hundred million streams on Spotify, and you're just like, "Tell me, that's destiny." We have one song, and I'm just like, "Please, just find its break into the ether." Yeah, like it's the slow trickle, and it's doing it's doing better than we could have ever imagined. But yeah, those stories are crazy, man. It's like that's the universe right there. Find the plinko drop down that all of a sudden hits the right one, and just goes yeah. off but i mean yeah. it, it had to feel pretty good when you guys start at the palms and uh you, i mean as, essentially your first your first song push off does well i mean it it it, it was it was a, a really good single for you guys and that was one i heard sort of the story of you guys working as songwriters to start as far as sort of hired guns and realizing yeah, this isn't, this isn't what we want to do. Uh, so, I mean, once that started doing well, were you like, yeah, we're definitely on the right track. This is what we should do. Yeah, it feels super good. But keep in mind that someone's already written report, you know, so it's like we already had fully committed to this sound and process. And we're like, this is what we're going to do right now. And we just hunkered down and we were like, hey, we're a duo now. We're going to, and with that comes a lot, whole new reworking of what it's, you know, we have to become producers now too. So we don't have no money. So it's like, we can have to figure out how to do all this lean. Um, and so then that kind of identifies the, the, you know, that the sound as well too, based on just like, there's two people, what can we play? I'm gonna have to, we're gonna have to program drums now. Um, what does that sound like? I mean, there's a lot of freedoms that are there too. Cause it's not five guys playing five instruments, every song like terrifying sun. So it's like, if we want a laser to go or like a, you know, a flute solo, like we do what we want. Um, but so then we started like crafting this like new version and, and this was really based in hip hop too. So it's this full circle. So you can obviously listen to hit to push off or maybe it's not obvious, but like there's lots of elements of hip hop. Like we're talking like, that like sample sounding piano, the big kick drum, like um, all samples, literal samples. I mean, there's, I don't know if you can hear it, but like this um, muddy waters comes like flying out of nowhere, like this stuff happening, this, you know, and there's a, the who, we chopped up the who in there too. Rock is dead, rock mm. is dead. So there's all kinds of, you know, that's hip hop for us. So we, we took this new, we're like, we both are huge hip hop fans. Let's, bait this into this new sound and this new band that we're starting. Um, and then, you know, and the rest is up to the people. You know, once you release the music, it's no longer yours anymore. So you're like, thoughts, you know? And and what happened was really weird. 
we we put a song another song up called future love mm -hmm. and that got plugged in to some blogs um and then it went on hype machine and when hype machine actually meant something and it started climbing the, the charts on hype machine and, and i don't know it's like people listen to this my name no but at the time it was this aggregate blog that like is super influential people would just go listen to the top 10 and had a huge listener base but it took it from all these accredited blogs that hype machine sort of like stamped and then put you in a chart and then you voted up and down but anyway and then future love then ended up triggering push off to get written up on a blog and then that's when they push off into number one on hype machine and then it was just like every a &R, every it in the business calling us being like hey guys like Funny seeing you here. Welcome back. Like, deal, you know. So, uh, two two things on that. One, it, it's crazy. Like you mentioned, how fast and that sort of rise and fall of blogs was in in between, like downloading and streaming. That you just had all of a sudden this rise of like these overnight you'd be put on a blog and i've had several artists that have been on the show they're like yeah i went on this blog and all of a sudden my soundcloud numbers went up by the thousands and i had no idea where it was from and they're like oh you're on this blog and like now, now those things don't really i mean they they're still out there but like it's just it's not nearly the influence now that you have streaming it's crazy thing killed it yeah Back to your point, yeah, if Push Off doesn't do that, we're not sitting here today still doing this as the Palms, you know? So, and like, during the transition between Terrifying Sun and the Palms, we get this crazy Chili's sync for Get Me Golden that, at that point, no, there's no licensing. Like, it just, we were negotiating with this company, with Chili's, and they ended up doing it. So, you know, and I was like, I don't know, a nine month campaign. So we had money to like, when we're starting, I remember yeah, we were I getting- about that. Yeah. I, remember, I, mean, I was thinking about it yesterday, like, how the hell did we pay for the initial recording? But we both, <laughs> oh, did, yeah. both put in the chili. We had money, like yeah. a lot of money from that. <laughs> so, and then oh, push off, it's like, it, it, had, it just will not let us get out. Mm. <laughs> That's like, what I'm trying to say. Like things just keep happening where, you know, if things don't happen, then at a certain point people just hang it up. Yeah, you know, it's like it's just not vibing. But um, yeah, as soon as Push Off did that, it's like all right, like clearly this is working. You know, yeah, it's working. Well, well, you mentioned uh, Johnny as far as just um, uh, hip hop influences, and it's 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 fairly you can hear them in most of the albums. So I mean, you have two full albums. You guys are working on an album right now. We'll we'll get to here in just a little bit. But you've you've got Mulholland Drive and you've got uh, Charlie out there. W what would you say off the top of your head is like the most hip hop influenced track you can think of on all of the EPs and albums that you got? Good question. Yeah, yeah. The song called "Don't Waste My Time." I wasn't thinking of that, but definitely that one. Yeah. That's like, you listen to the beat, I mean, it could be like an early, like, Drake song. I mean, it's very sampled and punchy and, like, slippery. And it's all, you know, I'm not sure how many organic instruments are even on that. You know, I think, I'm, I think like, bass, maybe. Mm. I don't think there's even a problem on that song. There's a acoustic area. Yeah. A lot of samples on that song. But I think lyrically, too, he's spitting, like, he's, like, spitting, like, verses on, on, on that song. Bang, bang. Spitting. 
I think so. Like, Cinnamon hit me like Miss Simone. Like, we're, like everyone is silicone and all we want is something real. Like, I mean, there's, we're, it's hip hop. Yeah. You know, we're, the rhyming scheme is hip hop. Yeah. And that's especially as well, too. That song's called Don't Waste My Time. Nice. Nice. Well, yeah. Now, uh, I mean, along with that, how would you guys say the the songwriting process has changed? I mean, obviously, like you said, the the sound was really different in the the two bands from the Palms from Terra Sun. Like, wh- how would you say you guys? Do you still have the same like writing process together? Is that that still sort of the same? Like, as far as just how you guys work together? Yeah, that that's it's it probably hasn't changed since like day one. Very nice. Where it's 50, 50, uh, it's all on the same page with that stuff. And that um, that's the main thing it, that makes it work. Yeah. And there's no, like, we're just super open to each other's ideas too, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's obviously a lot easier with just two people. But, you know, I know plenty of duos that, that it can't, it hasn't worked out either. You yeah. know, you got to really trust what the other person wants to bring to the table and stuff yeah or you're gonna withhold things and be afraid to present things and yeah yeah you know like even like maybe not in the moment and then i'll listen to something later that was his idea and i'm like i love it you know you gotta just let yeah no one ain't go also be like oh yeah i was wrong that's a big part too i'll also be like i'm gonna try this thing out and sound like singing it you know like here's the harmony idea or something and voice is cracking and whatever you're like yeah. Cool. That's a good idea, actually. Yeah. Let's tighten it up. You know, whatever. You know. Nice. Now, well, now, obviously, since you guys are an independent group, like you were just saying, you got to put the money up for these things. And uh, you guys have a new album coming out. You're creating it on your own. Uh, and you actually have, you, you had shirts created by Colby Rogers for this for this new album. Uh, and it's pretty awesome shirts. I bought one of the shirts. Yes, one of those. Thank you very much. Yeah, it, I got one with the classic black. I'm a, I'm usually I've actually got a dark gray on today, but normally it's a black shirt. So I was excited to get it. And I will uh, I will proudly lie to the folks and say since I bought a shirt, I'm one of the executive producers of the album. I hope you're okay with that. So what he's referring to though, just to clarify, is that we made a limited run of T-shirts. Ben's wearing it right now. Um, and all the proceeds for this from the shirt are going directly towards the album because we're basically like crowdfunding for the record. And then once we're the album's out, we're not making the shirts anymore too. So it's a limited release for the album. Um, and so everybody who does purchase an album mm-hmm. credit or credits due is an executive producer. Yeah, it was, it was just so cool. <laughs> the, the people that support us yeah. showed up. You know, it was, it was really cool. Well, it's it's a good uh, it's a good shirt too. It's got a really good '70s vibe to it. Oh, we killed it! Yes, exactly, man. And that is a slight indication of kind of like where the sound and like where it's all headed to. So. Well, that's why I was going to ask. Uh, what can what can you tell us about the album? What can listeners expect? I think I would say, man, that we're like it's you know starting where Terraplane Sun was. And then where the palms started, it's almost like coming back full circle, but taking everything that we've learned as the palms and then kind of revisiting that style of music that we both loved so much. Like 
Terraplane, it, it always comes from a very authentic place. Like we only make the kind of music that we want to make. Mm. And when we started the poems, I think we were so, so freeing to be able to like sit down and make a beat and do all that and explore like our love of hip hop. And now I think we, it's funny too, man, because we both like seem to travel the same path, like at the same time. And I don't know, man, I don't even know how to describe it. Like we're trying to figure out a way to dis to describe what we're doing, but there is definitely like a 70s Fleetwood Mac vibe mixed with, uh, you know, all, you know, like little psychedelic tinges, like, like, thrown. but I think at the end of the day, the songs are the best songs we've ever written. It's like very song focused. Very nice. How, how, how have you finished all of the tracks for it as far as like you know how many tracks and how many you know everything's down it's just the recording you got exactly yeah so it's looking like 13 songs all the demos are done um and then next week we go to the studio and to, to do live drums nice. which is I mean, we haven't totally done we did it for one album we, we, we put out a record also called televised daydream that has some live drums on it um but most palm songs are samples so um this this is going to be full drums um which is going to add a different flavor to it as well so we're, we're looking forward to seeing how it all kind of comes together for sure well now is is fire going to be one of the songs on the album damn good question <laughs> we don't know i think it's it it should be but it's you get you know you kind of get removed from them mm -hmm. but people really like that you know there's just uh, there's been a lot of time between when we released it so but yeah i think it should be man i think we should put it on there just so it doesn't get lost in the shuffle it, you know it has a hard copy home i do like that when when singles have a hard copy home and they're not just floating in the single world and yeah. you know give fire a home that's yeah that's yeah. Well, now another chance, legit chance. So. It, it was it was the title to your most recent tour that you guys did in uh, May and June, and that seemed like the longest tour you've done for a, a good while. Um, yeah. How how did it go overall? I mean, how did it feel getting to go around the the country again, and and how was the response? The response was good. Yeah, I mean, obviously post COVID is you kind of start from scratch with touring too. I mean, most bands will kind of tell you that. Um, and it was sort of a seller's market. So because every band on the earth was touring again. So it was hard to get the right sort of like dates and slots, but our, but they already at the time actually did a, did a good job. Um, the, the markets that we do well in, luckily we still do well in, thank God. Um, so a couple surprises in there too, which was super fun. And um, it's just, we got to get back out there and do it again. But it was, uh, it was good to see everybody and know that this, they're still listening to the tunes and that, you know, we still found a place in their, in their playlists and in the soundtrack to their lives. So yeah. overall we were super The stoked. people that come out to see us are super enthusiastic, man. It's like a party. Like every, every single city, people are like just hyped, you know? Nice. So it's an amazing feeling, you know, like even, I think we played outside of Cleveland and there was like 40 people or something. Um, and it still like, even with that amount, it's like, it, it, the vibe is always good so that, that's it's important dedicated dedicated fans dedicated yeah, exactly. yeah a lot of love. I think these songs yeah. really mean a lot to people too so it's great to hear their stories and like how they found them and people are like do not hold back when they talk to us about the impact that these songs have had in their lives too which is 
powerful. So I, I saw that I saw that on a comment just on your social media there. Somebody saying they'd been a fan since they were a grungy a grungy high schooler was how they put it. And I said, right, right. We do, especially for push off, man. Like the comments are wild. We, we get some insane emails too, like just next level stuff. It's really crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be a big thing when you see somebody like tell you how it changed their life completely or saved their life, and you're like, "Whoa, okay." Those ones come off more often than you think, and they don't get any easier to read. You know, you're just like, "This is wild," and it's hard to even imagine you're the person they're talking about. But well, they're not talking about us. It's like this song that. We right. created, but like we, yeah, you, you get it. They're yeah. directing towards us. That comment's yeah. not going to the ether. It's going to a person they're looking at in that video, being like, "You, yeah, <laughs> or singer of this song, like, you know." So it's pretty trippy. For sure. Well, now I, I didn't, I couldn't uh, remember. Did you guys get to play with Magic City Hippies on the tour before COVID, or did that get canceled? Yeah, right before. So, I remember we were playing drinking game too and they had lost how to lick the bottom of the shoe mm. <laughs> you, you lost you're like it's probably not a good idea to lick his shoes we didn't know into, we didn't know yeah. no it's like just starting we're like we're like this this blue going around right now it's pretty nasty maybe don't lick the shoe but you did lick the shoe risk yeah, biz that was fun man they're good guys they're funny dudes yeah they they're a good time. We've had we've had uh we've had Robbie and, and John and, and Pat on the show several times. And uh we've actually that's I'm not an executive producer of their album, but I'm the proud owner of their their pilot pressing of their first EP signed by the band. I I went on a fundraiser and spent way too much money of the uh the radio's money on it and I said it was okay because it was for charity. So I was like, it's fine. I can keep on raising. It's good. It's good. But now it's on our wall. And I'm very excited about your new album to put it on the wall beside it. I can help this out on the song on Charlie, actually. Hey, Stargazer. Nice. He is. Yeah. He, he's a, I mean, he's a, a talented musician, producer, sort of all around uh, just uh music man uh, in general you see him like hands and knees before the show tweaking all the like inputs and sounds and dialing everything in laptop like his, his md skills for the next level as well as being a sick drummer and producer uh he's he's definitely too a uh, perfectionist when it comes to things like that he's just worried like people are going to come in after the show and be like whoa that hi-hat was way too much. Why did you have yeah. that? And you're like, nobody's listening to that, Pat. You're good. Don't worry about it, man. <laughs> but, uh, guys, I want. I can't wait for the album. I'm very excited to hear it. Um, we are up against a break, but I want to thank you guys for coming on the show and talking with us today. Thank you so much. Yeah, that was, that was a pleasure. For sure. Listeners, you can check out all things The Palms, including getting yourself an awesome shirt at thepalmsmusic.com or you can follow them on social media at thepalmsmusic right now let's take a listen to the newest single Fire which may or may not be on the album right here on the Doc G Show Saw you in your summer dress Now you spend your days living red free in my head 
think it's time I have a cigarette Take off the edge Getting tired of the internet She been up there looking for that real life feeling again Mix it with a little cinnamon straight to the head The Doc G Show. You just heard The Palms. Yes, indeed. 
newest single right there from the group the palms that was fire fire and i'm not saying it was fire like it was good i am saying that it was also the name of the song both Hmm. fire 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 yeah mike uh two things i wanted to bring up to you through the interview there uh one Meeting at an insurance commercial—that is such an LA thing to do. Your 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 so extras on the backdrop of a of a insurance commercial, and you're just like, "Hey, you play music? Let's jam. Let's make this yeah. band right now." <laughs> That's pretty awesome. I I enjoy yeah. that. You know, uh, yeah. I gotta ask Mike right now. Favorite insurance commercial? Who's your favorite insurance mm. commercial character? Flow. Flow, you're going classic flow, yeah. huh? Flow's awesome. She, I, I love those commercials. They, they somehow they, they still keep it fresh somehow. Uh, I, uh, I like the. Uh, I mean, I like I like flow, but I'm more of the uh, I'm more of the the fan of the uh, Jamie flow sidekick. You know the mm. the uh, the spiky haired dude that that's always in the flow yeah. commercials. I find him funnier than flow. No offense to Flo, but, you know. I would say I have to say my favorite insurance, uh, favorite character, Dr. Rick. The guy that lets you know you're turning into your parents. Those. Okay, with the, uh, I was going to say, honorable mention, where he uh, he's like, we don't need all these pillows yeah. on this couch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that guy crushes. That guy's awesome. Love it. Love it. It's my favorite. Yeah. I'll give you $100 right now if you can tell me what this is. Uh, Swedish meatball, no. Scotch egg. Ah. <laughs> uh, so good, man. So good, uh, Mike. Also, we we talked about their West Coast hip hop. It was a staple of my childhood, Mike. Growing yeah. up, West Coast hip hop. That's like what I got into Same. music about was West Coast hip hop. Tupac, yeah. Dr. Dre, The Dog Pound, uh, Snoop Dogg, N.W.A., yeah. Ice Cube. It was all there. It was all there, Mike. I loved it. Favorite favorite West Coast album? Do you have a favorite? Mm, I don't think so. No, I just have favorite West Coast songs. You know what? To live and Die in L.A. You know yeah, what? You know what, Mike? Right yeah. now, I'm saying coming to the Doc G Show, top three, coming in line. I've already got next week's scheduled, so I'm not moving that one. But the one after that and the one after that. First... Favorite insurance characters, top three of all time. <laughs> okay. That and then second, favorite West Coast hip hop songs of all time. Those are our uh, those are our upcoming Doc G top threes. But right now, Mike, we need to move on to the hottest growing segment of the world. Doc G top three. That is correct, Mike. And now that we've had such fiery. Doc G top three topics that <laughs> yeah. I've gotten very excited about. I feel like the one this week's a little bit bland, but you know mm. what? I'm still I'm still interested in seeing what's going down here. I gave you a very generic one. Top three vegetables. Yeah, your favorite veggies. We... Before we mm-hmm. came on the air, I was ta- I was I was speaking the gospel of the importance of veggies, Mike. Speaking the gospel of how they fuel bacteria in your gut yes! and they are the fire of fiber they bring yeah. the fire to your intestines like nothing else mike 
Nothing mm-hmm. else. And we need to celebrate our top three. So with that, Mike, you're number three. So I did. I had to do a lot of I had honorable mentions. Of reading. Oh, I, I didn't. Have, I don't have it. I I have honorable mentions, but I don't want to potentially step on because there just doesn't seem like there's a lot of vegetables that are. I mean, there's a lot of awesome vegetables, but so did you go? Man. Did you go fully nutritious with your top three? What did no, you do? I went. I went the ones that I went the vegetables that I like. But I learned like that corn isn't a vegetable. I mean, I sort of knew that an avocado wasn't a vegetable. Sort of. <laughs> But yeah. corn is definitely a fruit. It's a dry fruit. Yeah. I did not know this. Yeah, well. So I really had to make sure that my veggies were actual. You actual know, vegetables. I mean, it is one of those things. I got I got on I got on the 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 podium and started saying like you can't do fruits, you know. But Yeah. I mean, technically when you think of a vegetable, and I don't mean to 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 be wishy-washy here, gang, but vegetables <laughs> are parts of plants that are consumed by humans. That's that's yeah. the simple definition. So I oh, mean, okay. technically you could look like uh, under an umbrella fruits could fall in there, you know? Mm-hmm. Seeds can fall in there because technically they fall into a part of a plant that humans consume. So like Yeah, like peas are not a vegetable. Yeah, yeah, te- as far as like cuz like that's the thing. It's like, you know, when you look if you're going by that definition and uh, like you got to go then by basically the parts of the the plant that are not a fruiting part of the plant, not a root, right. not a reproductive uh a part, you know, all those things. So like hmm. then it gets okay. very hard because then it's basically <laughs> like leaves and stems is pretty much what you're left with. <laughs> yeah, so we'll see if uh, we'll see. I'm pretty sure my top three vegetable is a vegetable kale. I like kale. Okay, kale's great. Okay, kale. kale I do like kale. Kale has like a kale. variety of flavors, man. Yeah. Like I get a big bag of kale usually at least once a week, like a pound bag mm-hmm. of kale. Right. Oh, okay. And I just before a meal, I'll just I'll just house some of it. Just ow, ah, yeah. just go in, get uh, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes it's a almost almost like a sweet taste to it, you know. And it's very mm-hmm. mild. And then sometimes it's it's bitter, man. And I'm yeah, like, yeah, it's bitter. Okay. I don't. I don't. I, yeah. Big Mama don't know nothing about this kale. What? Mm, no. <laughs> is that pesticides? What is yeah, this? Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah, you know? know. So it's it's yeah. very very. But like, I do enjoy one. I like you can you know you can dry it. You can make it flavorful there. I like to yeah. put it in a wilted salad, Mike. You know about mm-hmm. wilted salads? No, I don't actually. What is wilted that? salads? You take a hot oil, right? You get some type of hot oil, like bacon grease. Or, or just like a, a, a warmed up, you know, any type of oil, and then you put it on top of the greens, and the greens slightly wilt because of the hot nature of that grease. Um, sure. Oh, it's so good, Mike. And you okay. can you can put some you can put some kale in one of those wilted salads, and mmm, mmm, hmm. and you can always validate the oil being in there because you got fat soluble vitamins in the greens. So you gotta you gotta yeah. have fat there for them to be absorbed properly. So true. It's a must. It's a must. Anyways, Mike, my number oh. three, sort of on the same line, spinach. Yeah. Spinach. Spinach is nice. You know, it's not it's not a it's not a main player. You know, it's not gonna win you over like you're just gonna be like, oh my god, spinach. But a spinach salad. Yeah. Oh yeah. 
I use uh, true true story, Mike. Uh, this is my truth, and it's a true story. Um, <laughs> Sweet. Me and my brother for about uh, three years. It was about three years. Uh, we went to a restaurant on Miami Beach called Presto's. It was our weekly uh, meetup. We'd go to a restaurant, Presto's. It's an Italian restaurant. Uh, it was great. I loved it. My go-to spinach salad with chicken. That was my go-to. Yeah. Like, I got it for like a year and a half straight, Mike. Every single Sunday, that was my go-to, and I love it. Can I guess? Like, so, little gorgonzola, little chicken, pecans, or pecans, uh, the vinegar, like a red vinaigrette. Was this the Yeah, yeah, very similar. Yeah, I think think it might have been feta instead of gorgonzola. But, but you you know, Uh, a dry, salty cheese. Yes, Mm -hmm. yes. And and then, you know, vinaigrette. Yeah, Uh uh-huh. And there might have been, beautiful. I think there might have been some uh, some onions in there, you know. Onions, yeah. Cranberries, maybe. No, it wasn't. It okay. wasn't as sweet. It was a more savory okay. uh, spinach salad. But I've definitely gotcha. had the type you're talking about, and I like those yeah. as well. You know, you go a little bit more sweet, so you get the gorgonzola, you got the craisins, you got the raisins, yeah, you got the candied <laughs> pecans on there, yeah, yeah, oh, so good. I know, Anyways. I know those, I know those. Um, Mike, what's your second? Hmm. Second, second, definitely broccoli. Love broccoli. Roasted really? broccoli. I can eat raw broccoli. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah, wow. Broccoli. Now I eat broccoli. I eat a lot of broccoli. Yeah. But I'm not a huge fan of it. Yeah. It's one of those things that I know is just good for me, so I just eat it. You know? <laughs> yeah, 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 I got you. But I, I don't like and I'll be honest, I don't think I have the gene to like it. You know, broccoli is one of those that you have a gene that it either comes out tasting like real savory or just oh. bitter and gross. Interesting. Yeah. I did not know that. I don't yeah. think I have that gene. I think it comes out tasting gross to me. But you know what? Like I said, I still eat it. Now, I do yeah. I do like when you get it on uh, toasted in a pan and you get the ends a little crispy. That's all right right yeah. there. That's all yeah. right. Mm. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty nice. That's pretty nice. The bitterness turns into sort of a nuttiness then. Mm-hmm. You get a nutty, savory taste there. Put, yeah, it does kind of. Yeah, it does get. And you know what? You put a little. You put a little oil on it. Mm, oil mm-hmm. makes everything better. That's right. Anyway, yeah, it really does. Mike, my, my number two. I'm a savory character. I'm a savory character. Yellow onions. Say what? Yellow onions. I love yellow onions, man. I love all onions. I don't care how bad it makes my breast stink. I love them. Red onions, yeah. yellow onions, green onions. Pour them on, man. I'm not kissing anybody. It doesn't matter. Nope. Nobody's coming within a three foot radius of this face. It's fine. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I, I'm, oh man. But yellow onions, they're mild. You get a, like, you get a sauteed. Now, I'm not one of those people that goes to the length of having like an onion sandwich. I'm not one of those insane people. Right. But like, <laughs> yeah. I, I enjoy some yellow onions, especially when they're fresh. You get a giant yellow onion from Georgia. Mm. Georgia knows yeah. how to make some yellow onions. They know how to make that, some onions. That was definitely going to be an honorable mention right there. Yellow onions. I can eat them plain. Like, I yeah. can just eat the onion plain. Oh, yeah. 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 Delicious. Now, red onions plain, they're a little, so they're a little too powerful. Yeah. They will, they'll powerful. knock you on your feet, you know? What? They knock will. you on your feet? Knock you off your feet. There we go. That's what I'm looking for. 
if you're off your feet, they'll knock you back on your they'll feet. They'll oh, what? <laughs> Pop right back up. Yeah, man. Yeah. I uh, there there I had a I had a favorite Italian place at home called Sal's that I used to eat at and their their uh tossed salad would always have red onion in it and sometimes whoever was chopping those vegetables would just like like leave like a half of a red onion in there Girl, and your on. mouth is just red onion for the rest of the day. It's just like yeah. it's just like fire. You're burping it up, you're tasting it all the time. Yeah. You're like, "Okay, this yeah. is a little too much. We needed to dice that. We needed small amounts of that in there." Yeah, in the That's salads correct. you have to have thin red onion. Yeah. If you don't put red onion, it has to be very thin. Yeah, either that yeah. or you got to saute it. You got to you got to grill it down, saute you know. It. Yeah, make it sweet. Yeah. Anyways, Mike, you're number 1. Number one, uh, and this is kind of a recent one, and also a Thanksgiving dish uh, that I had that was absolutely incredible. Oh. I will not say it was bland at all, but oh. sweet potatoes. I love sweet oh, potatoes. Oh, yeah. That's a, that's that's a vegetable, right. right? We're oh. not talking about a... My dad heard it, his ears were burning on that one. My dad loves sweet potatoes. Yes. Loves sweet potatoes. He eats it. them all the he time, man. Yeah. And he loves sweet potato pie, but that doesn't really mean anything because he loves all pies. That's a But yeah. still... <laughs> It's uh, yeah. it is it's it's interesting, man. Sweet potatoes. Now the sweet potato uh, side dish you had was probably yeah. full of sugar. I'm guessing. Oh, which, for sure. Yeah, I had this candy pecans. Yeah. Uh, it was that. Yeah, sweet potato casserole kind of. Yeah. Oh, so good. Yeah. So good. I, I mean, I I had a sweet potato pie or a casserole from a place called uh, Miss Mary Max Tea Room. In, oh, that uh, in, yeah. uh, in Atlanta, which is a fantastic place, Mike. If we ever find yeah. ourselves in Atlanta together, we need to go there. It's uh, terrific. Um, when we're doing our next live show in Atlanta, we'll head it up. Let's uh, do it. But uh, it, it was so sweet. This is how sweet their sweet potato casserole was. It made my Coke that I was drinking taste bitter. <laughs> That's how sweet their sweet potato casserole was. I took a bite of the sweet potato casserole. I came back to the, the Coke and was like, Ugh. Ugh. Can I get some sugar for my Coke? Yikes. <laughs> We're going to have to up the ante on this stuff here. Man. Yeah. it's uh, It can get dangerous with that sweet potato casserole. That's for sure, uh, man. But it's a, it's a good vegetable nonetheless. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah. And it's got some good fiber. Sweet Yo, potato okay. always has solid fiber, man. That's one of the best parts about sweet potatoes, for sure. For sure. Nice. My number Good one, Mike, know. I'm a savory guy. I'm a savory guy. Garlic. Garlic. I love it. That's a good one. I love yeah. it, man. Now, granted, usually garlic in most, uh, in, in most cultures comes with butter, and that's probably the reason that I love garlic. But I love garlic. Like, just yeah. garlic rolls, garlic knots, garlic mm -hmm. chicken. Just, uh, you can pile it on there, man. And some roasted garlic. I can eat roasted garlic by itself. I can just sit there and eat roasted garlic. And, and I know yeah. I stink like a disgusting pile of grossness. But you know what? <laughs> I'm fine with Worth it. Worth it. I'm fine yeah, who with cares? it. I love garlic, Mike. Yeah. That. Is the Doc G top three, Mike? We know two weeks down the line what we're gonna do next week. I've already written this one in. I want you to think about it. Top three airports that you've had to do a layover in. Hmm. 
Ooh, not many of those. Yeah, normally you're off, but you got to rank them. How much did the niceness of the airport offset your layover? That you were like, you know what? I don't hate this as much. You know what? <laughs> this is okay. Right? Yeah. That's what I want you to think of. Top three airports you had to do a layover in. Hmm. Think about it. Think about okay. it, listeners. Think about it. Make your top three. Mike, we got two birthday suits left. Let's see here. Um, ah, I think you'll get one. Okay. Let's let's do the one. Uh, I'll take it. We'll do the one that you're not going to get. Here we go. Okay. Uh, born on November 30th, 1955 in London, England, our birthday suit wearer loved music from a young age, specifically rock and later punk rock. He joined a pop, uh, he joined a band called Generation X that eventually made it to the very popular show Top of the Pops on the BBC. In the 1980s, the band disbanded and our birthday suit wearer went solo, moving to New York City. Throughout the 80s, our birthday suit wearer released single after single, becoming extremely popular. He released songs like Dancing With Myself, Mone Mone, White Wedding, Rebel Yell, Eyes Without a Face, in 1993, his album Cyberpunk was very experimental in that it was recorded using a Macintosh computer and Pro mm. Tools. Think about that. In 93, that's crazy. Mm. Yeah. Following Cyberpunk, our birthday suit wearer didn't release an album for 12 years, but he eventually released three more albums, Devil's Playground, Happy Holidays, and Kings and Queens of the Underground. His heyday will always be the 80s, where he was known as one of the leaders of the second British invasion. He guest starred on the movie uh, Wedding Singer. Name that birthday suit wearer. Billy Idol. Oh, my God. He got it. He got oh, it. I didn't think nice. he was going to do hey, it. It was a guess. It was a guess. Nice. It was a guess, but done. I kind of was like, hey, this guy might. What made you think Billy Idol? Just 80s, um, just punk? Well, Wedding, wedding Singer, okay. uh, I vaguely remember that movie. Uh, also, The Rebel Yell, yeah. I don't know. There were just some, there were some things that just kind of jogged the, uh, the old guessing, guessing I like memory. It. <laughs> I like it, man. Billy Idol. He's got some yeah. jams. I definitely, you know, when Dancing With Myself comes on, White Wedding I didn't know comes that was on. him. I yeah. thought maybe... I listened to a cover. Are you thinking uh, about think Dancing in the Dark? Hmm. No, Dancing with Myself is definitely, uh, but I think it was covered by like a band in the uh, mid-2000s. Oh, uh, yeah. Really, it was really well covered. Well, it, was it like a pop punk band? Yeah, something. It was. I think it was a, a lady, actually, that was singing pop, Dancing. Pop punk bands love doing covers of like 80s yeah. jams like that. They redid so many 80s songs and bands. But anyways, Mike, yeah. There you Billy go. Idol. Billy Idol. Yeah. Uh, turning the big 67. 67 mm. for Billy Idol. Oh. 67. Not not a young dude, but looks good. Looks good for 67. Mike, uh, I think you'll get this one. Maybe you'll flip it on me. Not get this <laughs> one. Get Billy Idol. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, born on November 30th in 1962 in Bessemer, Alabama. Our birthday suit wearer was a pretty quiet child but started to stand out very soon in sports in high school. He's quickly seen as one of the greatest athletes in American history. 
Mm. In high school, he ran for over 1,000 yards as the running back of his football team. He hit 20 home runs in 25 games in baseball. He was the state champion in the decathlon without even competing in one event. He set the state record for high jump at 6 feet and 9 inches. Jeez. He was recruited by colleges for football, for track, and for baseball. He was recruited by Major League Baseball teams. Ultimately, he decided to go to the uh, to Auburn University because it was close to home, and they let him start as a freshman, and he could play football and baseball. He was running back, and uh, his senior year, he won Heisman for Auburn. He ended up being drafted in the Major League uh, Baseball and in the NFL. He started immediately in baseball, but it took him a year before he actually started in the NFL. In the short time he was playing both baseball and football, he was an all-star in baseball in 1989, and in football he averaged over five yards a down as a running back for the Los Angeles Raiders. Wow. He's known for being unbeatable on the on the uh, Nintendo game Tecmo Bowl. So true. And he had a extremely famous shoe with Nike, a cross trainer. Sadly, in 1991, ah. during a baseball game, he hurt his left hip. It ended up being so bad that he needed to have a hip replacement surgery, and he never played professional football again. Name that birthday suit wearer. Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson is correct. There we go. Yeah. Bo knows, man. Bo yeah, knows. I thought he got hurt uh, playing football. I thought that was his big He did. Injury. Did I Maybe say baseball? Like, yeah, I think you said baseball. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I think oh, I might have okay. I think I might have just said playoff game. I have it written here as oh. just a playoff game. But yeah. yes, it was a playoff game for football that he or that he hurt himself. He basically, yeah. it wasn't like a really bad-looking tackle. He was running, and a defensive player grabbed his leg basically from the foot. And he had such yeah. a good hold on the foot, and Bo Jackson was so strong that he basically pulled the, the hip out of socket, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. And then because it pulled it out of socket, it damaged a uh, blood vessel that was going to the bone and what he ended up having was necrosis of the bone because of that damaged blood supply uh. to the bone. And because of that, he couldn't keep his bone there. They had to have a hip replacement. So, crazy. But, like, yeah, in, he's one of those dudes, though. It's just so insane that, like, when he was in high school, and it was literally just so much talent. Like, he was one of those guys that openly said... I hate to practice. I'm not practicing. Yeah, he said that. It, just, and, it blows my mind. And yeah. like pretty much every single sport, he's like, nah, yeah, I'm not coming to your practice. I'm not doing that. Nope. And he would just show up and be absolutely amazing. Like absolutely, insanely amazing. Like he did yeah. that in track and he jumped 6'9 in high jump. Girl, come on. Like 6'9 as like a 6'4 foot tall person or shorter actually yeah. like is crazy crazy um, his athleticism and don't we make fun of like Allen Iverson for coming out with that like he had that uh, after game like some press conference where we're he's talking like, about practice, practice. yeah, yeah. <laughs> practice practice we setting up here talking about practice yeah 
Yeah, well, I mean, you know. He practiced. That was just a speech that he gave. Yeah, there, there's a lot of things about that speech that, you know, okay. it's it's a little taken so out of context. That. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, people, people, there were a lot of haters of Allen Iverson. He was one of those flashpoints that people love mm. to, you know, uh, a talking point that people like to either love or hate. He was a very yeah. polarizing character, uh, mm. Iverson. I particularly loved him, but some people really uh, did not like him for a lot of reasons. And that was just fuel for the fire for a lot of people. It was like, see, he doesn't even like the yeah. practice. We should, <laughs> we should yeah. keep him out of basketball forever. You know, like just ridiculous. Anyway. Shaq didn't like to practice either. Huh. Shaq didn't. Shaq, 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 wasn't a Shaq fan was of notorious for showing up to the start of the season just being completely out of shape, like. What's up? <laughs> I haven't done anything, everybody. Yeah. Coaches being like, oh, crap. You know, I mean, that was the huge rub between him and Kobe. Like, Kobe, everything was serious to Kobe. Everything. You needed to practice yeah. 30 hours a day, and you needed to what? be in the facility nonstop. And Shaq was like, uh, no, I'm going to show up and be amazing. Yes. That's what I'm going to yeah. do. I'm going to not mm. practice. And be uh, over seven feet tall and over three hundred pounds and be a, like a ballerina on my yeah. feet. So take it's that. It's like conservation of energy for Shaq. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it was just like I don't want to get. He know, was just he was just waiting there, yeah. to get that endorsement of Papa John's. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Shaqaroni mother effers. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Mike, you're a huge fan of Shaq. Have you uh, ever gone gotten down on a Shaqaroni? Never, I don't know what that is. Shakaroni. What? Bro, come on, come on, no, Mike. You yeah, can't call yourself a Shack fan. I'm not. I'm not sending you this card until oh, you I'm get. I'm so excited. No, I am sending you the card. It's a lie. But uh, Shakaronis are his pizza from Papa John's. Oh, then I'm getting this. Yeah, he. It's More just notes. Uh, essentially, it's just a uh, a very large pizza from. Uh, uh, I'll have this pizza Jones. and look at that card. Okay, good. <laughs> that's what. That's how I'm going to celebrate that card. I think you should. I think I'll do an Instagram should. live. <laughs> I think you should. Um, Mike, that is Bo Jackson's birthday. He is 60 years old. 60 years old. So happy birthday to Bo Jackson, Billy, uh, Billy Idol, and uh, uh, Ben Stiller. All yeah birthday suit wearers for november 30th mike the bees yeah it has been a fantastic show i am very excited about our upcoming shows next week we need to do something we are 20 games in actually a little bit more 20 games into the nba season i know the world cup is going on i know people love the world cup but i'm sorry listeners i love basketball more so mm -hmm. I Same. want to talk about basketball. So and true. And guess what? Same. I know our NBA analyst, Claude Lathan, wants to talk some basketball. So guess what? We are having Claude on next week. We are going to talk all things NBA. We're going to talk about the craziest stuff of the NBA. We may get into a little bit of Kyrie nonsense. We may get mm -hmm. into why the Lakers are still not good. We may get into why uh, Golden State is not good right now. We may get into uh, the Jazz's hot run. They've hit a snag, Mike. They have definitely not been good really? for the last like six oh. six games. They went on a. They are on a, like a five game losing streak right now. Mm. It is not 
Not looking good for my favorite team that I adopted at the start of this season. They have took a downward spiral. But we're going to talk about it all, Mike. I can't wait. I can't wait. And until then, guys, we got to wrap it up. I have been your host, Doc G, with me as always. The one, the only, the associate in the arts holding the notorious Mikey Maximus the Furnicus Charette. Doc G, thank you so much for having me. Always a pleasure. Of course. And until next week, zip it up and zip it out. Zip it a doo dah.